Yeah, I just remembered it. Floating World, there was like a giant high chair for like adult baby people that wanted to like do that. Like that's the kind of shit, like you can't put a fucking giant high chair in your house. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I could with these you high could, ceilings. Maybe, yeah, uh, <laughs> with these. But like, yeah, you can't put like a, a high chair that can seat an adult man and make him feel like he's actually in a high chair. Like, that's like practically a lifeguard stand. But first, a word from our sponsors. There's no shame in wanting to last a little longer. And Promescence Delay Spray gives you confidence to enjoy the experience without worrying about blowing your load. Get 15% off at promescent.com with code MW15. That's MW15 at P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the butt sluts, the dickful thinkers, and the brilliant whores out there. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Mmm, yeah, sweet sweetness. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Wednesday, I'm probably laying out with my cock out at Gunnison on the sandy hook of the, the, the quote-unquote great state of New Jersey. Uh, but hi, everyone. How you doing? If you listen to this on another day, there's a very good chance that I'm wearing pants. This week's episode, I've got on Hannah Harkness. Going to be talking about hypersexuality, bipolar, working at a sex toy shop, and all the and a whole bunch of kinky BDSM lifestyle stories. We'll be bringing those to you shortly. But first... Oh, we're so close to having show dates back again. But the, right now, Manhorcon, that's a show date. And Manhorcon, <laughs> August 12th to August 15th, guess what? There's only one room left. Yes, reservations are now open to the general public. Yes, you, even you, can attend Manhorcon. But like I said, there's only one room left. It is our More the Merrier Suite. It is a, uh, a quite a sizable room with two queen-size beds. Shoot me an email, asapmanhorpod at gmail.com if you want to join us in upstate New York this August uh, with some fabulous fan whores. Oh gosh, it's going to be a blast. I'm, I can't believe we've already got the place pretty much filled. I mean, at this rate, like if I get enough inquiries, if enough of you email me saying, Billy, I couldn't make that weekend, or Billy, you're sold out before I could reserve a room. Billy, I need manhorcon in my life. If enough of you say my name... Uh, if, if enough of you say my name enough times, I, I mean, I'll put it together another Manhorcon weekend. We'll do we'll do Manhorcon 2020 and Manhorcon 2021 all, all this summer. So again, shoot me an email, manhorpod at gmail.com to reserve, to ask questions, to request more whore. I don't know. Uh, but first, I want to read an email from a listener. It's, it's actually a pretty heavy email, so strap in. But this gentleman wrote to me, he writes, a friend referred me to someone's birthday cream pie gangbang. 
Things were going well. Her friends were recording it. But then I slipped out of her pussy and accidentally anally penetrated her. I don't like anal or domination, but she says I violated her consent on purpose. The uh, consensus is that it is more plausible that after being referred to this party by my friend, I decided to anally rape a woman in a room full of men watching, including three of her friends, than the reality, which is that it was a gross accident. I mean, this is disgusting to me. I don't even like anal sex. I was blacklisted from the group and have suffered a lot of reputational damage. I do not know what to do but to move on as I am not wanted. Uh, I, I did shoot a follow-up question just to describe like what happened because when you say like I slipped down and then I went into her ass, like that could have looked a lot of different ways. Um, but he did confirm, yeah, it was, it, this was more of a quick thing. It, it, yeah, she yelped and then I was like, OMG, I'm so sorry. She asked me to leave, so I did. I didn't know that she thought I did it on purpose until after I left. And when I was leaving, one of her friends even pulled me aside and explained that she had recently had an anal rupture, which is why she was so sensitive about it. I mean, not for nothing. She can, I think she can be sensitive about it, whether or not there was an anal rupture. Uh, she got fucked in the ass, even for one thrust that she was not expecting. Uh, you're allowed to be at a very bare minimum salty. Um, anyways, he says, but it was pretty clear that it was just an accident. So, and this resonated with me, um, not, not the, the incident, but the attitudes at play in this god can i fucking relate and i I wrote back this gentleman my initial reaction is that you're centering yourself first and foremost in all of this you know for example you know quote-unquote situation i found myself in i don't even like anal sex this is disgusting to me reputational damage etc it is a natural human reaction that is normal Ultimately, what happened here is not that you, you know you found yourself in a situation or something gross happened to you. Ultimately, what happened here is someone was penetrated in the asshole who did not know it was going to happen and did not consent to the happening. I'm sorry I harmed you is going to go a long way better than I'm sorry I harmed you. It was an accident. The way you tell it, it seems that the guys know that this was a wet and wild bareback accident that happens to a lot of people. This happened to me uh, a, a couple of times. It happened a couple of times during COVID. You know, I was I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, a couple of times, like I, I, you know, because we weren't using condoms either. Um, you know, I slipped out and I accidentally went into her ass. Now, I guess luckily for me, or luckily for her, she likes the occasional anal. So I didn't even find out till towards the end. I didn't even know I was in her asshole because I'm a fucking moron. So, like, the incident itself, like, that happens. When we think of playing through the punitive system of accountability, your natural self-interest enters a defense mode. You feel like you need to defend yourself from a criminal accusation or a damaging accusation before anything else can happen. This will get the, you know, lawyers listening, screaming at me, but this defensiveness prevents you from thinking about the person who is penetrated in the ass without consent. And it's going to cloud you from empathizing because you're probably thinking like, I'm not a rapist. This was just an accident. And this person's trying to think like, I just got fucked in the ass. And God, it would be nice if this guy stopped being a defensive dick about it. Carefully worded language may give you a legal shield, but it's not going to bring restoration to her. And that is always going to make it so worse. All of it worse. How she feels, how you feel, how people who hear about this feel about you. You got to let go of the outcome. And your instinct might be to do this quote unquote for her 
in order to absolve yourself. But battling against that instinct has felt a lot healthier for me. Many years ago when I was picking fights on Twitter and harassing people like Ella Dawson and Dirty Lola and Ashley Manta. She, Dirty Lola is not dirty. It's just what she goes by. Dylan Thomas, you know, when, when I was thrashing metaphorically back at people who were just trying to help and, and, and mediate for me even, like Jana Vringaleva and Cooper Beckett and Kenneth Play and surely others. And the interactions that happened afterwards that were kind of a fallout from all of that, you know, like I was just so defensive. I did not want to be told that I did something that I did not think I did. Instead of thinking about how my behavior was affecting these people, why do I have to defend the reputation? Well, because I'm a good guy. I can't be one of the bad guys. I'm not a bad guy. So I must defend myself from accusations of this bad guy label and bad guy actions. I'm going to battle the language of it all to prevent others from viewing me as a bad guy. You know, in my group therapy with, you know, other men my age, like I've learned and accepted that, you know, we are simultaneously good guys and bad guys. And when we can't not, we can't not be a bad guy ever. And when I understood that I am in, I am inevitably going to do things that harm people at some point in time, in addition to helping people and making people's lives better sometimes too. But when I learned like I'm inevitably going to cause harm, I mean, that freed me from this obsession with wanting to clear my name at every fucking corner. How I handle it says way more about me than whatever it is. Now, I talked about your situation with a close friend of mine who's like way more well-versed in all this shit than I am. Like right now, I, I hope whatever I just barfed out of my face hole was mildly helpful. But I want to share what she said because she's smarter than me. Um, she has degrees in this shit. She said, um, Asking how to make amends would be a great step in addition to not centering himself when discussing it. It was a mistake. But centering his innocence when discussing it will make it look like the only thing that mattered to him was being called out, not the fact that she was harmed by it. He should deeply empathize with the impact on her and focus on how he'd never want to hurt her, which implies it's a mistake, but it's not centering himself. He should also inquire how he would want to help heal whatever wounds he caused and ask what might make her feel better. Depending on her love language, maybe he can offer to pay for a massage to relieve tension or a therapy session to process or a doctor's appointment if there was physical injury because, I mean, there was an anal rupture apparently at some point, right? Um, or if they're close, which I'd hope so if they're barebacking, although by his description, it does not seem like they were incredibly close. Um, you can offer to maybe help with some housework or other work to alleviate some stress. Maybe he can write a handwritten letter to express sympathy and remorse for the error or offer to make dinner for her and deliver it, but not required she eat with him. Sometimes if you're traumatized, you can't really pinpoint what would help. But being given options at least shows that he wants to make amends and has put thought into it. I think it's noteworthy to mention that she has every right to tell him to leave after that incident, which I think everyone's in agreement of. But my friend continues, I doubt anyone would lambast and cancel someone for a mistake unless they got hella defensive or shitty about it or protested her asking him to leave or, I don't know, constantly replying on Twitter and DMs and texting even after people say they're kind of done with it. Just brainstorming ways people can be really shitty and defensive. And I know that if I heard that someone had done this, the most important thing to me 
regarding whether I'd invite him to another sex party or play with him is how he handled the situation and how he describes it. If he rolls his eyes and gets frustrated by my asking about it and complains or gets defensive, that's a big red flag. Blinking red if he goes on a tangent about or expresses concern about being blacklisted. I won't even entertain that conversation usually. If he expresses sympathy and compassion for her, flag turns bright green. Flashing green if he quote-unquote grounds himself from play parties for a period of time and tells people why he's doing so. Mistakes happen. People know this. How you handle them is what matters. Accountability is crucial. And just as a side note, what, I, what I've been learning is that accountability, and this is, again, this is a, a language thing that triggers certain reactions, but uh, you know, I've always thought of accountability as a punishment, and accountability doesn't always have to be a punishment. And all punishments don't necessarily have to be this like bad thing. Sometimes accountability is, is, is as much as saying, yeah, I did that. And I don't want to do that again. So I hope you handle this well. I hope you've handled it well so far. A little more transparency. This person and I exchanged a few more emails and it turns out he had sent some messages. And I did have to say, it does sound like maybe you shouldn't try to make any more contact. Uh, personal experience would suggest that. But um, yeah, you know, say, but it was an accident. Minimally, if at all. There will be more appropriate times to calmly say to someone, yeah, and uh, I accidentally penetrated her asshole during one of my thrusts, which understandably harmed her. So she ultimately asked me to leave, which makes sense. But for now, see if there are any amends you may make and move forward. Folks, if you have a particular response to this email or to my reaction, if you have uh, something you want to add or something you are upset about in that, please shoot me an email, manwhorepod at gmail.com. I shall receive that feedback with grace. And you may just hear that feedback on the show. All right. Um, you know, the best way to support the Man Whore podcast, besides telling Billy when he's being grossly wrong, because that's like feedback data that his brain really needs to process shit. Uh, the best way to support the Man Whore podcast is to become a member of our Fan Whore community on Patreon. Yep. It's the best way to get extra access to more of me, more of the show, and support the pod you love, uh, which allows me to you know keep doing this thing for y'all, week in and week out. We uh, haven't missed a Wednesday in 384 Wednesdays. And right now, I want to give a little fan whore appreciation moment to Christopher Revely. Revely? Revely? I don't know what the Canadian accent like would do. And I, you know, soon one day, I hope Americans and Canadians can meet at the border of North Dakota and hug again. But for now, all I can do is say thank you so much. And you too can become a member for as little as $2. Right now, I'm running a special promotion on Patreon. Watch out. Listen, Airhorn, Airhorn, you can get one month free if you sign up for an annual membership. Let's settle down together for at least a year. Let's let's sign a Patreon lease, you and I. How's that? And you can become a member and join all the fun and gain all the access and support the whore you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Hannah Harkness. Uh, Hannah is a fellow comedian. She's got a TV show coming out in the future on IWTV called Brooklyn Battle Comedy. And she struggles with that wonderful, wonderful gift, bipolar disorder. You're, you're in for, this is an action-packed episode. My notebook was filled by the end of it. I hope you enjoy. 
Let's go chat with Hannah Harkness. There's seriously no shame in wanting to last a little longer in bed. We know it's because you want to spend more time inside your lover and less time panicking about deep breathing and thinking about baseball. Unless you think baseball is hot, you know, then you're thinking about grandma. Unless you have a hot grandma, then I don't know what to tell you. You're going to need Promescence Delay Spray, I guess. That's what we're talking about here. Promescent is this week's sponsor of the Man Whore Podcast, and their sexual wellness products are scientifically designed to improve your sex life. They offer a premium line of loops, gels, condoms, and supplements to help you reach your unique fuck-tential. Promescent's most prominent product, of course, is their delay spray. Folks, it's like a miracle in a bottle. With just a couple of sprays on the penis before sex, your lover's cock will enjoy the pleasures of intercourse without the worries of coming too soon. And Man Whore Podcast listeners can enjoy a special 15% discount and free shipping. Eh, never forget about the free shipping, okay? That shit adds up, okay? Get a 15% discount when you use my promo code MW15 at promescent.com. Or just click the link in the show notes to have it automatically applied. Again, that's code MW15 at P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Or click the link in the show notes. Have you joined our friends at Alt Playground yet? No? What's wrong with you? We're reopening. Haven't you seen the news? Haven't you seen the new guidances? I know it's sometimes a little confusing, but, you know, just take yes for an answer for once. Jesus. <laughs> We're reopening, and you haven't hooked yourself up with a membership to the premier lifestyle site in the country? You're, you're wild. You're, you're wilding out, okay? <laughs> APG has been a longtime sponsor of the Man Whore Podcast, and we love that they're merging the old world and the new worlds of non-monogamy into one safe, fun, and sexy place. Whether you're polyamorous, single, swinging, or just curious about opening up, APG is the place to be. And as they say on their site, it's the best damn open lifestyle community in the United States. So find out where the party's at near you at altplayground.net. That's altplayground.net. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Let me ask you this. You like porn to be affordable, right? You like porn to be convenient, right? You like to choose from a vast collection of porn with all your favorite porn stars and porn studios and fetish categories. Am I right here? Do do I have a good read on you? Well, then you need to make an account at hotmovies.com. I don't know what else to tell you. You just kind of have to. Okay, and you got to use promo code MANHOR for that sweet, sweet 20 extra minutes on top of any package you sign up for. Honestly... And I'm not really supposed to do honesty here. Uh, if you hear these ads week in and week out for years at this point, and you haven't signed up for HotMovies.com, uh, you either hate porn stars getting paid, or you don't think ethically paying for porn is feasible. And that's why I want you to just try it out for free with that free trial. Plus, your bonus minutes with promo code MANHORE, you're going to have a nice good starter pack right there to feel it out. Now, yes, you have to give your credit card information. Hey, I had to do it too. But HotMovies.com, and I've worked with them for now, like, I think three years, three plus years. They have never charged me without me knowing about it. And they have never tried to, like, sneak some subscription on me that I didn't discover until, like, six months later when my wife is moving out of the house. Okay, HotMovies.com, promo code MANHOR. You're fucking welcome. Now, let's get to the show. 
poly colt and he just keeps his entire wrestling gimmick is that he just posts every, like almost every other day like i now have fifteen thousand romantic partners and <laughs> spoken <laughs> and like just, a like, true poly it, guy yeah no he does that and then also is like constantly just like he's, he's he was a signed model for a while too and he's just like really his character is like really self like bl- blows up his own appearance all the time and like he's yeah, he's he's something, but he's like one of my closest friends now. And also, we're just uh, we feel like we have to be friends because we're both um, polyamorous. We moved from Pennsylvania to Bushwick, uh, and he's from Pittsburgh. I'm from Philly. We're both bleach blonde. Um, we're both in wrestling. Uh, there's just like an absurd amount of like fucking insanely specific shit. Because originally we also both moved to Bushwick. There's just like unbelievable amount of like insanely specific shit in common. And I was like, where like I first ca- uh, like was talking to him online after we interacted a few times. I was just like. Uh, we need to be friends, or we need to like fucking kill each other. <laughs> I was like, we're fight to the death. So wait, we're- which came first for you, uh, polyamory, the bleach bond, or the wrestling? Ooh, uh, polyamory by actually Country Mile, uh, or, or was it? What? I mean, I first like I didn't start wrestling for much, much longer than I became polyamorous, but I first like saw pro wrestling like with one of my first, uh, one of the first people that I saw after like I became poly, yeah. uh, which is wild. But yeah, no, I've been polyamorous since 2008. Since 2008. You yeah. say it like you're sober from something, but like, it's yeah, I've been, wild. So- been sober yeah. 13 years <laughs> uh, since 2008. It's fucking, <laughs> well, the thing is that I, lately have been just hanging like like these wrestling social circles and various other social circles i've been in at some point i just blinked and i was like the 33 year old in a group of like 20 somethings like out of nowhere (laughs) and they're just like whoa you've been poly for that long because i I, and i'm just like teach me how to use gcal yeah i know (laughs) it's just what and i also feel like i was completely checked out of society long enough that one day i just like blinked and i'm like is this like vaguely socially acceptable where i live like i didn't like i wasn't out about being like in kink community or poly or like with a lot of and did kink precede poly for you i forgot Uh, about around the same time so what what caused you to jump into two subcultures like that it's like like rambling entry story i I think the precursor probably would have been uh i started going to rocky horror picture show stuff when i was 16 so that my girl that's a girl yeah yeah i saw the giant i saw the giant susan sarandon (laughs) but that was when i first started going and i would continue uh once i was 18 i would join the cast you can't join the cast until you're 18 um and (laughs) i but i went to their shows for the full two years before that and then when i was 18 i joined the cast and that would be like my first exposure to stuff that's like kind of like kink adjacent culture yeah yeah subculture type stuff um and then and uh, when I was in my freshman year of college, uh, I was taking this creative writing class that had... How many polyamorous and kinky stories started that way? I was in college <laughs> taking a creative writing class. I was in a writing class. I just kind of like found class. myself on the page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was in a writing class. This is in uh, Westchester University in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I... Like the assignment was that you were supposed... It was like called the working experience or something. It was like you were supposed to follow around a person in an occupation that you have an interest in while they're working for an entire semester and write about it for a whole semester and like as 
joke. I raised my hand and was, was totally just like, it was a joke, sure. but it was, but it was, sure it was, I mean, it was a joke, but it was also Keep like, yourself that. <laughs> because I thought I know, I, I mean, I wanted to do it, but at the same time, I was also just like, I don't think he's going to say yes. I was being kind of a dick. I was like, what about the fucking bondage store on South street? Cause like in Philly, South street has like five or six sex shops. Oh, it's like known for that. And he was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, oh shit. He said, yes. Um, <laughs> so I, and go- the class heard you too. So like, yeah. you got to do it. You can't back. No, out. I had to this back down an and I'm just like, all right, I'm fine with this. And it's just like, at that point I had only just like kind of gone in that store as kind of like, Ooh, I'm a teenager going to the store. Well, I'm 18 mm. now. Um, so I just, went down there and fucking walked in and figured like the manager came down and I just pitched and she's like oh yeah sure you can just come hang out that's completely fine um so I started hanging out at the store uh Passional Boutique and Sexploratorium in Philadelphia is not like it's not like a lower grade not lower grade sex shop I'm just saying it's like a higher ticket fetish item sex shop like if you want to get if you want to get like a vac bed if you want to get like a custom made like pony play rig if you want to get something that's like fucking if you want to spend good money yeah you want to spend good money they have like lower ticket items but that's not like their thing no it's there as a trap for people who do buy them so that they can talk shit about them when they leave yeah right no it's also just so you know you can make numbers if you need like because I, you know, we had pretty insane sales training. The the craziest thing about Passional is the amount of training that you do where you had this like Bible of like, these are what all the kink terms are. If you see this, this kind of person in this relationship, like, you know, like what master slave is. It's basically like she just kind of trained you to not be able to uh, be ignorant around all of the kink is subculture and like queer subculture people coming in the mm. store like you got like gender pronouns and shit like hanky codes that you're not even sure if it's relevant and oh, what like, oh do you no no uh, oh oh is this the the gay thing where it's like the yes. different color hankies is like yeah, what you're into yeah okay. they flag different things we actually got yes it's real we actually got a staff test on the fucking hanky code you have to it's a gay leather bar thing and it's a lot more old school but those also are who those customers were uh-huh. so we just learned all this sh- and we were selling hankies it's, so, it's like when i worked at like this old pizza shop and they were like look it rarely happens, but sometimes an old man is going to show up and ask if we have truffles to put on the pizza. And this is where we hide the truffles in the back corner <laughs> exactly. of the fridge. You're rarely going to need, but you do need to know it because he spends mm-hmm. good money. Yeah. And it's just because they were a specialty shop. That was the kind of place. It's like usually if you have a kink item, like a, a violet wand, like electro play stuff, um, we had like bondage stuff that was designed as the by the same person who did the stuff for secretary and mm. it was like expensive because of that it was the same designer um yeah. and they also like when i was working there at this point they've combined the two shops but when i was working there it was like a high-end fetish fashion boutique and then a few storefronts down was the sex shop and it was done that way because people under 18 could buy corsets and like goth costume shit at the other place uh and then like people over 18 would go to the other store mm-hmm. and now they have it split up by levels for that reason like the the sex shop stuff that you have to be over 18 on the second floor mm-hmm. and 
all of the corsets and goth club apparel and shit is down there. Yeah, it probably got a little awkward when they realized the crossover of uh, of those. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the customer bases. For yeah, those. at one point I remember when I first went there because uh, Passional has been there since I think 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were Fetish's boutique first, and then they eventually turned over to Passional. But I remember when it was Sex Toys in the back and Fashion in the front, and then they expanded into two stores. <laughs> That's uh, such a fun phrase, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sex Toys in the back fashion in the front like and i I also i could probably recite my entire sales pitch if i needed to is like it's that we had like super hardcore sales training because Uh of the amount of like high ticket items that you could do and then the other thing is that we did vending gigs on the road like a lot of the most insane like subculture like fetish subculture experience i've had is because i was selling gear and toys and fashion stuff at like these conventions in jersey constantly and like these camping events at this like place uh called ramblewood in maryland uh that's like they were always having these like fucking nudist things and queer things that and there were so many events there that we could sell at that there were there was one or two summers I'm going to say, like, I think it was, like, 2008 through 2010, like, 2010, 2011 or something that I had been, I was just at Ramblewood, like, three weekends out of the summer because I was vending, and I, what have I done there? I've done pagan events, um, which are usually half clothing optional or, in their their terms, sky clad, our terms, I don't know, whatever, am I out? What, who cares? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, pagan events, um there was one that was like a nudist event and then there was also like a gay leather event going on at the same time um there was like i and then i've been to like sex ones i've been to kink ones like there's and when you say you're vending like are you selling like sex gear out yeah, of your I'm trunk of your car or like do you have a table no, they out? have a vendor area <laughs> okay, usually okay. yeah no they, they usually have a vendor area um the the dope thing about the Ramblewood shows is usually it was in this barn next to the pool where people just swim around naked. I, I think one of the funniest things I've ever done is that I like it seemed like slow day at the booth. Uh, so I just what I was like, oh, whatever, fuck it. I jumped in the pool and then I could see my booth and somebody walked up to it and I was like, oh, shit, a customer. And I was like, I'm not putting my clothes on. Oh. I did a three hundred dollar business transaction. Buck ass fucking naked. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, whatever. And that it's maybe fine. helped make the transaction app? <laughs> Probably. I mean, it was just a chill, like, fucking 45-year-old woman that was just, like, into her course, like, getting into her corset or whether, and it just was so completely just chill, and, and at one point, I acknowledge it, because she was naked, too. She was looking oh, at the stuff. Oh, th- there's nothing like, weird and no, funny nothing, about that. No, nothing was happening. I, it took me a second to remember that, but it was just like, oh, she's, I remember, now I remember, she was already naked. It was easy to put the corset on her because I didn't have to change her out of anything else like i usually do um it's and that was definitely a pagan show because i know that the nudist ones we specifically only brought sex toys because bringing clothes was stupid right yeah naturally you know what goes great at nudist events though you want to make a lot of money in a nudist event fucking fanny packs (laughs) like i want to just like hole up at the the entrance to the nude beach yeah Sell fanny some, back guys. Sell you, some you, cute. I think you just made me a bunch of money. I'm going to do that. No, dude. no, dude. I'm not even kidding. Yes, I did. <laughs> but fucking yeah. nudist love like cool fanny packs. Uh, well, that's a good time. <laughs> just by the way, real quick to tell everyone. I'm here right now with fellow uh, comedian and hanky pank, uh, hanky code expert <laughs> and clearly big talker, Hannah anymore. Harkness, everybody. Hi. Uh, 
how did your assignment go? <laughs> it went great. Just uh, to bring it, I'm just yeah, bring it full circle. Uh, it went great. I learned a lot, and then uh, the semester was over. I wrote the whole paper and everything. Then the semester was over, and I was like, "All right, it's time to go." She's like, "Well, you're not coming to work tomorrow." I was like, "I don't work here." And she's like, "Do you want a job?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yes." And then I promptly worked there for four years. The manager um, was like, "We had an intern." I don't even know. Yeah, no, there were a couple of people that were definitely like, uh, like, oh, wait, yeah, she's not working here, but she's been showing up on time and shit. Like, I'm doing a bit, you know, right. I'm clearly doing a better job than some of the employees. And at the time, were you personally into kink and BDSM well, or was that the an entry from that job? <laughs> it was the entry because my job also ran events. So I, my first kink event was, I think it was, it was Libertine Ball, not Diabolique Ball, but uh, Libertine Ball in Philadelphia, which is run by the store I was working at. Okay. And it's a big charity event that they had every year. They and they had, were like, hey, intern that we don't know about. Do you want to like just go to this well, event? Well, I mean, I wanted to go too. I was like, I, I, I definitely knew just from like the sex that I'd had previously, but also just like interest from Rocky Horror because like I hadn't really delved into BDSM yet but like i knew stuff from rocky horror like i was interested in and that aesthetic i was interested in mm -hmm. um had you had you practiced bdsm at that point no okay. not not before then but i had at that point like learned everything about it yeah from like the training manual and also from selling all these specialized products to customers and talking to customers about their relationships because they were you but you'd know, yet to actually like use the products in a no. per, in a fun yeah. way yeah not yet no um so uh the first time i did impact play was at a libertine ball and they're like are a bunch of like bdsm playstations around and there's like dance floor and all that other stuff this is r.i.p club shampoo in philadelphia that is like where most of this kind of shit went down mm. um but there was an older dom that had set up a station in one of the saint andrews crosses uh, mistress oriette and i just asked if i could try um and that was the first time i bought him for impact play and then what was, I was it like Tell us fantastic. about it. Fantastic. Yeah. You've no, never been you never been hit for fun before. Yeah, no. I mean I had been hit well, I, I not for I, fun, but at that well, at that point I was a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh and I <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, as someone who only reached Red Belt. Uh <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and I'd also studied other martial arts like privately with a like a, a fucking friend that trained a bunch of people in his backyard. You know what's funny like, about Taekwondo is that like you and a totally grown ass adult human yeah. can get a black belt and you could be like next to an 11 year old who's also getting a black belt. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like my little sister who's yeah. never gotten above five foot one in her yeah. life. She's like 11. She's, I, a, she's a black belt and she's like standing next to like a grown grown as human uh -huh, uh -huh. who also is getting the same achievement mm -hmm. they don't make it fucking easy or at least at my school they don't make it easy like there's some places that the belts like are kind of easy to move through but like i've failed purple belt i think like twice and i definitely failed brown belt twice i remember mm. that um it, it's like a whole yeah but anyway off topic that was what i used to get hit for fun now i get hit for fun again as a wrestler you know it's just i your life is getting hit it, for fun it is it is consent and hitting people i'm a switch um but <laughs> i 
by proxy involved in the scene because I, you know, this is also when I was on early aughts FetLife because that it didn't take long because there are a lot of people, if you're in that scene, especially a smaller scene like Philadelphia, that, that like at the time I was calling it dark Facebook. There were people that didn't have Facebook that were, had FetLife profiles. So I had like a whole bunch of people that I knew in person that I only had a FetLife social media connection with because yeah. I also didn't know most of these people's real names, we all had seen names. Like that like when you're kink scene ten years ago, a lot of people were just dead ass not using their real names for security reasons. Yeah. So I was short stack, but that that was like a name that came with me from high school too. But I just I didn't uh, start using Hannah again as my name until I was 27. I think I was in the it, kink scene like when I was like 19 was when I started. And do you feel like uh, people are a little bit more open to being themselves today than 10 years ago? I th- Not completely, but... Based on online dating profiles alone, I will say yes, but I haven't been in the public scene for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, and online dating profiles and also just the what way that, that Zoomer... Because they're they publicly put on their profile a kink this that the other thing especially something like tinder where fucking anybody can see you um and it that you don't like aren't getting anything filtered out like any fucking person could see you be a couple looking for a third and mm-hmm. like okay cupid is a little bit more like there's they look to see what the fuck questions you answered before they start showing you people like that mm-hmm. and then also just the general attitude of the of zoomers towards sex because uh, what's a zoomer meaning gen z oh, like, okay yeah okay. no gen, <laughs> like no just gen z's attitude towards sex as a generation that has been exposed to hardcore pornography for a very long time is much more tolerant than ours be- and if anything blase mm-hmm. like i get more um, like because I'm in this position now where I look younger than I am, so younger people are making passes at me, especially in pro wrestling. I've noticed that they're a lot more open about shit. Like, oh, I fucking want that person to spit in my mouth. Like, it'll just like that. It's just like, boo! It just like comes out. Um, it's a much more sexual society now. Yes, than 15 it, years. It's ago. a much more sexual society, and also just like that, like that younger generation. And the only reason I'm willing to make this generalization is because I keep fucking asking them directly i'm like no are you guys seriously all just like fucking hit me with a bicycle like that's how you hit hit on people they're like yeah like (laughs) (laughs) hit me with a bicycle strangle me yeah crazier than i am you know it's interesting because like the studies say that gen z is actually having less sex than the generations before like ours Mm -hmm. but i'm curious now it's like are they having less sex or are they having less penis and vagina sex as we define sex, but they're still having plenty of other types of sex? Yeah. It's also just the, it's a, the society's much gayer now. Like, Gen Z's way more out about being right. queer. So if you're It's only- a queerer generation, but yeah. the studies show, but then they also are claiming that they're fucking less. I think it, the I would be curious at the methodology of the studies that yeah. have been doing that because I'm curious if they're phrasing it like just- have you had sex, however you define it? Or it's like, mm-hmm. have you been having intercourse type of stuff? Because yeah. it's a queer generation, because it's mm-hmm. a 
more open generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they're thinking like, oh, maybe I don't fuck, but like I do all the BDSM. It's like that person's fucking. Now, see, that's what's always interesting to me when people think like, ask me things like ballpark. How many people have you had sex with? I'm just like, I might be able to give you like, uh, <laughs> like a, a P and V number, maybe if I mm. really thought about it for BDSM. I don't fucking know. Mm. I've been to so many events, and it's so much less like STD risk to do bdsm play that it was just like yeah whatever i'll fucking beat up anyone i'll get beat up by anyone i'll do i'll like fucking treat you like a puppy i don't care like (laughs) i i just went because when i went in i just went in yeah like it was my whole life it was my whole social life um like and like i said i had like 500 friends on fet life that were my my real friends uh, like that I actually knew it wasn't like a cruising website it was just like all oh, right I need to DM this person because I don't have their fucking phone number I only have their- yeah yeah <laughs> when when did you feel like you were like in the sea like when did you stop feeling like you were going to someone else's party and you felt like I you were I'm going to our party and our mm. being like the community you were in I mean kind of immediately because working at that store cuz the Philly is a smaller scene so working in that store gave you like not necessarily status but like mm. you had a role like that if somebody was a person that wanted to go to a sex shop where they could openly be like my sub this that the other thing and they wanted to be able to be like I'm gonna buy a latex dress and I want my sub to lace up my shoes and kiss my feet while I'm here it's you can't yeah, you usually can- do that in public in our store you can do that and people knew that yeah um so people so like, you had like some street cred yeah. right, off, right out the gate because they're yeah. like oh you work there you must be cool and it's not even just you work there Philly's small enough that people had already seen me like they've yeah, been yeah. in there buying shit already yeah, yeah exactly and then eventually i'd been there for like four years and then w- the events was even more so because then you're hanging out in like the fucking like a fucking Raritan valley hotel for three days like three days with all these people and it's just like yeah okay i'm not selling corsets now so i guess i'm just hanging out yeah so that's where i meet all these people and then uh you know and you've been the you'd been like play parties yeah. uh, you've been the play parties and kink parties mm-hmm. And and I'm not talking about munches, but like the party parties. Yeah. You know, how would you describe the differences between, say, a play party, sex party, whatever you want to call it, and like a kink party? I think that it might just be even the physical fucking setup of the room. Like, I think that kink specific ones that are like seri- like a BDSM event, like the, the <laughs> defunct floating world. Mm. That's the kind of place you would go if you wanted to use furniture that the you could possibly put. The place was Floating put. World? Yeah. The, it, the convention was called Floating World. It was around, I don't know how many years it was around, but that was the biggest one on the East Coast for a long time. Like, they took over this whole convention center in Raritan Valley, and it was just, like, I don't know how many thousand square feet of play place, but there was... Like, but that was the kind of place where you're like, I have a fantasy about being like fucking suspended from a giant ring and I get like five people beat me up and this, that, the other mm. thing. Like, and there's just like every s- conceivable piece of furniture or expensive equipment that you'd want to borrow from somebody else. And then people on FetLife would like create a group like Floating World 2010. And then different people would be posting like, I would like, I have a fantasy of like having five women massage me or this, that, the other thing. Is anybody interested in potentially playing? And people would what, fucking- By the way, what a what a tall order. Be like- I know. No no big deal. But like, if I could get like five, this is I know I'm being a little the, greedy, the, but like, the could I get like I just- five- <laughs> 
<laughs> women to massage me. I'm just throwing it out there if anyone would yeah. be interested. A lot of these people are already friends, which is helpful. You know, it's still kind of like world's largest small town. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff, you know, just you just people were like, hey, I'm interested in having like a little like coloring party for literals or yeah. something like the Yeah, you know what a little is. I, I know. A little is. Do you want to yeah. tell a listener what a little is? Okay. A little come up is, uh, yeah, no, a little is somebody who's pretending to be younger than they are. Yeah. Uh, and it, like the littles meetups at a lot of these conventions are usually people sitting around coloring. I've my my one friend. uh I don't remember what her scene name is, and I don't, I'm not going to use a real name, but uh, she used to like do story time. By the way, you could have said like Donna. Yeah. I would have never known. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, this is one of those ones that I think uh, scene people will probably listen to because they're still on my social media. Sure. Like there's, well, I'm saying you could just, you yeah. could made up a name. Yeah. I wouldn't have known you were lying to me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But yeah, she, yeah, like there's people that would like, you know, have like, fucking story time and shit for that yeah. oh yeah i just remembered a floating world there was like a giant high chair for like adult baby people that wanted to like do that like that's the kind of shit like you can't put a fucking giant high chair in your house um <laughs> i mean i think i could with these high could, ceilings maybe yeah uh, with these. but like yeah you can't put like a, a high chair that can seat an adult man and make him feel like he's actually in a high chair because that's like practically a lifeguard stand they're pretty yeah. funny um <laughs> i think that if i were to differentiate i would say like how much traffic very specific fetishes get like adult baby stuff and like pony play stuff i've been to multiple were those like the biggest lines <laughs> no. Uh, What's like the big line at the thing where you're like, oh, I wish they sold Fast Pass. Oh, well, I mean, that's just in general like Shibari workshops because Shibari is really fucking hard and it's like complex and there's a uh. lot of stuff to do with it. So things like... Yeah, like things like bondage workshops and stuff like that. And then there's also celebrity presenters. There's some people that are like, ooh, I want to go see Jay Wiseman or mm. I want to go see Mistress Midori or something like that. And she's, yeah, and she's presenting at one of these. I think Midori's definitely done Floating World before mm. back in the day. Um, kink events definitely differentiate themselves by how specific shit get. I've been to multiple kink events that had pony competitions, like an actual <laughs> fucking with like the pony, all of the pony played with ribbons. Um, and, and like, I won the pony play competition. Yeah. Which one? Yeah, exactly. What? Exactly. No, there's, there's just so like, many. There's people that'll do like the, they'll actually have like fucking dressage boat with people. And again, no, some of the nicest people I've ever met, by the way, and also very good customers. Um, <laughs> so i don't i don't give a shit but it was like yeah. a, a good party like will mm -hmm. ha can tend to have some sort of like nice big elaborate yeah. piece or pieces or performances mm -hmm. i mean you For know sure. I, uh, you know it's one thing when you go to like a swinger party but if you go to like a more like play mm -hmm. party like yeah. if they call it themselves a play party yeah to me that's a good sign that they're more in the direction of what like i'm into mm -hmm. and but i've been to parties they'll have the the whole whole mid show they'll stop mm -hmm. the fucking and be like everyone pause your fucking or do it more quietly because we have some people who would like to show off their talents yeah and at the conventions they like do fucking panels in the rooms and shit like and, uh -huh. and there was just this like 
little pocket. I feel like I just ended up in uh, just the right place and just the right time in a very like a kind of insular, uh, just the right place and just the right time, kind of an insular subculture where there was just this break of events that I was always, there was a geeky kink event for a while. Um, unfortunately, the guy that ran that and Wicked Fair ended up being outed as a huge scumbag, but mm-hmm. Uh, as they tend to do. as they tend to be <laughs> but that does not change the fact that i got to attend an event with a fucking tardis with a glory hole in it like uh, the, the doctor who tardis but uh, and then We're there was a, clor- also a tentacle ja- there was a tentacle chair like a tentacle bondage chair at that thing uh what why do you say that was the right place at the right time it's just because it only existed for a couple of years there was a couple like wicked fair i think was what only, do you mean it the scene the, the a particular scene, party like, there's or? a couple of conventions and a couple of, yeah, like things like Floating World okay. and a Geeky Kink event and Wicked Fair and uh, like there's just there's all these other ones that I went to that only were around for less than 10 years and I just managed to I, I, I don't think sex parties are like typically lasting decades. No, they don't. Uh, like if, uh, I think if like, they make it nine years, no one's going to fault them. It's like a TV no, show. No, no, like, for good sure. Good for you. But I'm just so happy that I managed to show up when I did in uh-huh. the capacity that I was at some point there was a there was a tiny bit of bleed over uh from when i was like more seen involved into comedy or Mm. i was doing comedy at those events more but at some point it was like it was a time thing and then it was also just me kind of like eking out of the public scene like why did you eke out um it was comedy's fault in a lot of ways because i just didn't have time um and then i go to a party once a month Uh, i i don't know it was just a weird and then i just had some weird shit where i just didn't want to be in the scene anymore and i had a kind of a fucked up relationship with my dom at the time Mm -hmm. and like i I don't know. I and I and it's also just like I found new friends, uh, sure. and I was working full time and shit. And I was like, all right, I want to try this. Th-. You know, I just got more into comedy after I'd kind of just like had some weird fallouts and kink scene and kind yeah. of quietly left without starting any big drama or anything. You were just you, you had yeah. some negative interactions and were yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take a step away. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of? Did you at? And I found comedy. Like I started doing stand up. You like, keep saying this like yeah. found comedy. I'd be like, comedy does not stop you. From like going to BDSM parties. No, but I mean, I was still having that kind of sex, but it was just like it was a difference between like I still went to a couple of parties occasionally, Uh and I occasionally went to events, and I I did uh, bring a comedian or two to some events before. But it was the more the aspect of how my whole life, like that was my whole social life. It was who I lived with. It was who I talked to. I got like self conscious and weird about the fact because I hadn't been using my real name for ages, and like all of my because I started, I started in the scene like when i was like 19 okay so my sexual identity was completely formed around that and i didn't have that much outside experience with people who didn't know who the fuck polyamory was or mm. like any of this entire world that i was into more or less uh, like a year ish after i moved out of my parents house you know did like, it get weird at points where you were like while you were doing comedy where you're like oh man like i'm i haven't Normally, I'd be at like I'd be watching someone at a St. Andrews cross get the yeah. shit beat out of them, but it, now I'm watching a man, you know, shares mm-hmm. trauma with strangers. Yeah, exactly. Or in, not have any idea that like was it weird my... to switch to emotional masochism? Yes, <laughs> it was really weird to switch to emotional masochism, and it was also very weird to have spent so many years in a subculture that barely any of these people knew even existed. Because by the time, like, when I started, like, because I had been doing stand-up comedy at, like, 
like cabaret in cabaret context and in like at music shows and music open mics and shit uh around the same time like i would like i started when i was 19 but i didn't actually go to actual comedy open mics and actual mm. comedy clubs until somewhere around like 2011 2012 mm. um did uh did not go into the parties after a while did that all mess with your identity as a kinky person it did uh but also not because i still was with i was still was with my dom for a little bit and i was with my sub for like several years after i like i had a sub until like two years ago mm. um i was with them for a long time uh, and that was strictly a ds relationship we weren't dating mm. but like i had a sub for a while and i had a dom for a while and i would still like do stuff with people just like one-on-one so you were I just still wasn't... having kinky sex but yeah, you weren't I was like still having kinky sex you weren't like going to kink events multiple times a week every no week. and i did and at some point i think in 2003 i think it was when i was in my like business school or something was when i deactivated my fat life profile and i that's an important day for every kinkster right <laughs> no it's <laughs> when i deactivated that but i feel that. bad because i fucking did not get the contact information for a lot of the people on there that I didn't have any contact information for. And mm. I also never learned their real names. Like they, that's the shit. Yeah. This is a shit with the early odds King scene is you, I really don't know any of these people's real fucking names. And it's, it's always interesting when it's like you're from the retail perspective, people will recognize you because they've talked to you about deeply personal stuff, but sometimes you'll be out in the street and they don't want to make eye contact. And right. Because they're like, you know how far their yeah, anus dilates. I fucking respect that. You know, <laughs> I had a high school math teacher come in and buy lube from me and it was fucking hilarious. I like I didn't somehow manage to completely not break composure the entire time. But dude walks in while I'm I'm literally uh, fucking cleaning a display dildo with a selfie wipe like. I'm, uh, not selfie sorry selfie wipe what the fuck swiffer wipe um yeah. but like a swiffer wipe like i'm jerking it off and a high school math teacher walks in and i was just like oh shit what's <laughs> i was like i didn't even care because i just thought it was funny he just looked so fucking embarrassed he's like uh uh i need lube and i'm like yeah got you covered nope. hold on I <laughs> <laughs> like i how'd you how'd you uh, how'd you fi- discover that you're a switch uh, I just tried both things, I guess. I don't know. I already knew I hit people. Like, I had fun hitting people, and I, I liked watching people's reactions. I hadn't seen people get turned on by it before, so it was, like, hot to watch people get turned on by it. And then, like I said, the set, the the scene that I had with Mr. Soriette, the first one, that was when I was like, yes, I do like this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is where we're going. And, like, the play parties run by my job. I could go around and, like, try a whole bunch of different things. Like... Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then how'd you enter polyamory? It was just because of it was like be- exposure. It was just me like seeing that it was an option. It was one of those things where all I needed was a vague suggestion that you did not need to be monogamous and I just ran with it immediately. And like, obviously when you're going to kink parties, yeah, a lot of people who are not being, monogamous. Yeah, right? it's and like- being monogamous like kinda <laughs> sucks in that context. Uh, so like <laughs> Yeah, I just pretty quickly is being in that, like, it was just kind of a 
I don't want to say red pill, but it was one of those things where I just had gone through society thinking that that was the only option. And the second somebody even whispered, you don't actually have to do that. I was like, oh, well, cool. Because that it, it never seemed great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it was never the fun it. option. Yeah, no, it was never. I was like, all right. I mean, that sounds like something that I could roll with. And at this point, it's just like, I've been poly so long. I don't even like fucking think about it anymore. Yeah. Like, it's just like i think that the the thing with me is because like i've been polyamorous this long there's some stuff like that like the stuff that people call micro cheating like you were have you heard that term before no because I, I don't like to give credence to like fake terms that yeah it is a, it is a fucking fake term that doesn't need to exist but like, like the thing the, the thing will be real yeah i don't think it needs classification no, i'm not it, aristotle it doesn't but like i've seen uh i've seen people post about micro cheating and that it's like oh you're like liking all of this person's instagram, instagram pictures yeah. and this shit like that it's yeah you knew exactly what it was yeah um i didn't even have to explain it um but like stuff like that doesn't even fucking register to me half the time right. i'm just like if i'm with a part or something and i'm not fucking paying attention i don't i don't, I don't even know how to see what mm. someone's liking on instagram that's how yeah. little i care <laughs> yeah for sure i uh got my ex used to give me shit because he'd tell me people that he was sleeping with for like even like multiple year periods and i frequently forget their names like i like i'm not i'm so not jealous that i don't even remember the last name of the person that i would facebook stalk theoretically like Hannah, i don't i'm escalating my relationship with julia which bitch what yeah what huh? who is who? that yeah no that is that, that is exactly what, to the point where it was like low almost like, disrespectful yeah exactly like a and bad I, felt, I felt bad there was god there was this one woman who i was saying the wrong name starting with the same letter it was like a it was like an angela anna type situation uh, now i'm like uh, now i'm making up fake names but he for at least a year he was like her name is Angela. Why can't you get that? I've been sleeping with her for like a year. She really likes. It. That's the other thing is that all, like, all like these you. people, all of these it's people like know who me. I am, and they've been <laughs> Facebook stalking me and shit. And I'm just like not paying attention. Like imagine the conversation. She's like, like, like Julia is trying to just be like, I really like Hannah, but like, why doesn't she? Does she not like me? She never remembers my name. Yeah, no, I'm just like fucking checked out. There's also a lot. There, another major component of like the way my life shifted over public scene to not is that i wasn't uh medicated for bipolar disorder until i was 27 <laughs> and i was very very like chemically hypersexual and manic all the way up until that point how how'd you end up discovering that you were bipolar i had a i had a manic episode that lasted like three months and went to the hospital oh like God. yeah was it was it was was it like jf o'donnell's where it's like you yes. thought you were in the cia it, yes we've we've had a discussion uh <laughs> we both have had a messiah complex did you both have the same <laughs> imaginary supervisor at the cia no no we both i we didn't uh i didn't have a government-based one mine was strictly but it's funny because you like, were rogue yeah <laughs> you were no. pretend rogue he was <laughs> pretend cia yeah exactly exactly no mine was like strictly like spiritual related shit but like we both talked about how we've had god complexes before we yeah. got our medicines um our respected medicines uh, and, the, and was that coming out in your sex and dating life at all 
I mean, it was, it was yeah, I mean, it was incredibly uh, like, well, not, I'm not talking about the actual episode at this point. So like the, yeah, the hypersexuality aspect of it, like, yeah, I think that there was some partners that probably didn't want to be as non-monogamous with me as I wanted to be with them that I was just kind of glazing over because I was hypersexual. I think that... Uh, what, were, what do you mean by that? Like, I think that it was just like, yeah, they said it was okay, but I wasn't like really paying attention to like emotional inflection and stuff like that. Like they, uh-huh. they, if I had been paying attention, I could probably tell they were more jealous and it was something that we needed to discuss more. But I was more like, he said, yes, brah like and then also just the um big component like bipolar mania and hypersexuality is that you're willing to put yourself in like dangerous situations to get sex or go to sex parties or things like you're just like you know it doesn't like it doesn't really matter if you're going to a strange apartment and like with some dude like you are describing like my reddit posts so now i'm concerned about who answers my posts because i i've literally i mean geez for the pandemic i had a glory hole in my last apartment mm-hmm. and the post was literally like yeah i probably opened these doors in bushwick mm-hmm. you walk down steps in a side door mm-hmm. into a basement and then mm-hmm. you walk down a hallway and there's a curtain yeah. and then i don't murder you and you blow me and leave yeah so now i'm like wait were all those women manic who came no they're not all <laughs> but maybe some uh no they're definitely not statistically all. Also, at least also, one and a half also like- <laughs> you just described a very pandemic situation all of us were doing stuff i've been like doing that. shit like that for yeah. years for like a decade i've <laughs> well, been so doing like weird that. craigslist yeah. ads yeah Am I? No, okay. No, I mean, that I did, like, I mean, I can, you know, I was doing shit in a different country, like, that was like that. You just, like, you would, like, last minute fly somewhere and do a thing? No. um, I lived in Norway for six months when I was undergrad. I was, like, in 2010, and I joined, I found Norwegian FetLife, and I was meeting up with people with Norwegian FetLife, you know, and this is a completely different country where I don't have a, I don't have a handle on the language at all. Um, Doing, And I'm just going to clubs and shit and i'm like nobody knows where i am like none of the people at the college knew i was doing that they just knew i was getting on the train to also which is uh 45 minutes north of where i was mm. um <laughs> and you're engaging in like sex acts that like definitely requires communication yeah it requires community yeah and <laughs> things like that i mean most people in norway speak english because it's not just american people coming there it's everyone else from every other country that's obviously not learned norwegian also other uh, countries tend yeah. to learn at least one or two other languages yeah yeah, for sure no we suck but uh, yeah i like did you notice a change in your sex and dating practices after you were like properly medicated yeah i think that i was doing stuff that was a lot less dangerous i think that i like was thinking more because it's also you know it was also different as like if you early aughts young woman too was Mm -hmm. a completely different situation people didn't always know where i was um i didn't have a smartphone for a lot of this you know I, yeah like, most people most people did not have a smartphone no, during yeah the no like rocks. my early uh kink party shit like some of the stuff i went to in boston and everything like i remember having like fucking printed out map quest shit in a fucking flip phone yeah um and you know if i got in a situation where something was dangerous i didn't tell anybody where i was um i you know and a lot of the people there who were there did not know what my real name was mm-hmm. like 
there's just a lot of shit like this if something had happened at one of the clubs in norway nobody at my school would have been able to get in touch with me they were in a, like a fishing town 45 minutes south of oslo like, they would have had to get the girl with the dragon tattoo like, yeah that's the only exactly. way they found she you. would have to come by. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the only uh, i don't even think she's norwegian I, yeah, she's no, just, she's, but she's just vaguely she's in the Svensk, area because she's swedish yeah <laughs> um <laughs> uh, you know was was getting on medication uh, scary in the sense of like not knowing how it would affect, say, like a sex drive. Did you uh, have no? A, a it f- took me from like unbearable, like you know, like as it was like physically, like my sex drive was like physically uncomfortable when I was on medication. Like I was. You what know, do you mean? Like just, too, like being too horny for comfort? Yes. Yeah, just being like not being able to focus at work, like or at all, and shit like that. Like it was just definitely, I could feel it was elevated, and I was like getting cramps and shit to the point and. It was cramps like, yeah why, um, like why? lower body i don't know it was just a hormonal thing i wow. think i think i was just really would having sex fix the cramps a little i'm bit. a dumb man no it's okay, okay. It's no I, I mean it's also um bipolar one which is the kind of thing like me and john o'donnell have is much more extreme and rare than bipolar two you know bipolar Mm. two is just like a lot more extreme mood swings and it still sucks but you don't think you're jesus if you're bipolar two that's what bipolar one is is that you can go so fucking far like i when i got put in the hospital i thought i'd been in a dream for three months like it you just go beyond the pale but the brain chemistry component of it is so much more extreme that like hypersexuality can be taken to like a whole other like that's the only thing and you don't think like mania basically just convinces you that everything is fine even if you're on fire yeah because like your hypersexuality Mm -hmm. i'm asking is like it it didn't feel like you were too horny you just thought like i'm a healthy very horny woman like Mm -hmm. and that there's and we live in a world where like girl power there's nothing wrong with being a super horny woman so why would you think something's wrong especially if your entire social scene was like the kink scene starting at like 19 like i was young yeah you know i couldn't even drink when i started in doing public king parties yeah. like and a lot of those parties you weren't allowed to drink anyway so it wasn't a big deal but like i was going to shit in like warehouses in northeast philly that my nobody knew where i was and i was real young and a lot of people there were a lot older than mm-hmm. me it's kind of wild like i mean i had martial arts training and then i also had the advantage of the black yeah exactly i had the black belt and it's also because i worked at passional people i think people would have known that if something happened with me it would have gotten back to cali who mm. my boss and that would have yeah you don't want you don't want to yeah. like murder someone then you can't buy floggers at your favorite store anymore exactly exactly suck, pain in the you ass know. um and they actually did a much better job policing creeps in the kink scene than they do in uh, comedy honestly <laughs> if i'm going to be real um <laughs> uh, i mean it does seem like every industry i mean even cooking is getting mm. a record on that so oh, i feel yeah. like well, every, no, everyone's had trying a whole to thing. i have a friend that uh, has a legal defense fund up right now because like so the pro wrestling people are yeah. like suing people for defamation for yeah. speaking out and shit uh, when you had the when you get when you got medicated and you were like okay you're taking less making less risky decisions mm-hmm. and uh, i was also just not uncomfortable all the time with like how high my sex drive was it just kind of came to like a regular high and not like this needs to inform every action that i have so let me get like, this straight you are such a horny woman that even when properly medicated in part for hypersexuality yeah. you just became a normal very horny one yeah exactly it was just normal and also it was just a lot more attentive to my safety but then it also 
it's hard to say how much of that was the meds and how much of that was the, that episode scared the living shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And it made me interact with like, I'm not the same person as I was after that episode that completely yeah. changed my personality. Like I stopped trying to be like actually famous as a standup at that point. Cause I was just really, I got really fucked up socially. Like I didn't know who I was anymore. I couldn't trust myself. Um, and then it was also when I was in, uh, like when that happened, I was also finishing up my master's degree and trying to move here. So there was just a lot happening. But like that, you like it, you know, like that episode also just kind of changed my relationship with like interacting with anyone. So that bled over to interacting with sex. And it was also just this, mm-hmm. you know, sh- like weird shame thing of like, oh, yeah, I got hospitalized for a God complex. Uh, you want to continue this date? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I. <laughs> what, what, what was the what was that? For, what was your first serious romantic relationship like medicated? Medicated? uh probably would have been uh the uh there was a guy i saw like right at like that right after i got out of the hospital that i met on uh i met on okcupid that i saw for about a year um Mm -hmm. and then i that we broke up just because i was like i was kind of already on the way out to the door to new york but then i had also just recently met my most recent ex Mm. that i split up with in january uh that we we had been together for like four years and i was kind of like moving to new york Mm -hmm. and he was here yeah yeah he was here but what was the actual relationship like like that one year relationship like what Mm -hmm. was the dating like like what was it much different it was different uh because I was in a place where I think I was just really looking for someone to take care of me because I was so shaky and mm-hmm. fucked up. Like I, and I was still, I, I was still with my sub at that point. You're like, still doing kink. Yeah. I still I had always a sub thought that, that would be on pause. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, well, I, I was still in my DS relationship. I yeah. wasn't in the scene, but, um, no, I would have thought the DS yeah. because especially when mm-hmm. the dominance, the one happened, mm-hmm. I mean, really either side, but yeah. Um, you know, like, like I mean, mm-hmm. what, I didn't realize you were in a DS thing. Like how did the sub respond to your diagnosis, to mm-hmm. you being hospitalized, to you getting out? Cause like, cause like, yeah. remember the sub is like, mm-hmm. you know, putting their body in your hands. And so when you know, someone's like in a, in a particularly volatile period, mm-hmm. Chem, you know, brain chemistry wise, I, I would be nervous as a sub. It did cause problems. Um, like we had, because uh, there was like a major manic episode, and then there was something that I would possibly call a relapse, where I said a bunch of really insane stuff to them, and then mm. my brain wasn't glued together to the point where I remembered to follow up and tell them that I had calmed down, and I remember like freaking them out a lot, and they had to like contact me and like it's and i had to be like oh right fuck i never told you that i'm not actually thinking that stuff right now anymore i don't think any of that stuff i was saying was real and i didn't fucking follow up with you because i can't remember like and how did you tell them that you were bipolar um i mean i just did i think i had gotten not I think not diagnosed, but I think that they had like, like a, a th- right before that episode, somebody had said that it might be a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. But fun fact of mania, one of those symptoms is uh, resisting medication. So I, <laughs> at the time, resisting medication, resisting treatment, especially if you're a creative person, a lot of uh, bipolar creative people have trouble 
taking the meds because they think it's going to take up their the art man. yeah exactly bro it's, you're gonna fuck no oh, that's where my juice mm-hmm. comes from and to be fair <laughs> some antipsychotics if i'd stayed on or some antipsychotics and some things that are meant to take you out of mania if i'd stayed on seroquel i don't think i would be able to write um it, that fog like that was what they gave me to punch me out of the sky or sure. is what i was saying like that was the tranquilizer dot their dart they shot me with when i was in the hospital yeah. and then i eventually ended up on lamictal sure. and wellbutrin but what, what i was getting i was like you yeah. know do you did, did this incident happen and then the subs like hey this stuff you know is how i'm feeling etc mm-hmm. and then you have to ba- kind of be like yeah, it turns out I'm bipolar mm-hmm. and I'm yeah, really sorry. I mean, I told them when I was in the hospital and that I had been working on stuff, but I definitely wasn't communicating enough. Um, and I definitely like wasn't because I was just very disassociated from reality in general. Mm-hmm. And I like didn't know what was real and what wasn't because I had just spent three months seeing and hearing shit and like i am i am pagan i am spiritual there's a lot of stuff that i would be like not necessarily on a recording be willing to be like yeah that was real but at the same time (laughs) like i but at the same time i am like i know what wasn't you know what i look voice a b and c yeah yeah that was mania but a voice d that's real and she's got my back yeah exactly exactly (laughs) and that's how that's why it's uh that's that's why it's fucked up yeah (laughs) But I I was at that point, I was so distrustful of anything that my brain was telling me, like, because I didn't, you know, that's why the DS dynamic Mm -hmm. happening during that time specifically Mm -hmm. stands out so much to me. And I'm surprised, like, did, did sub do scenes with you after you got out of the hospital? Yeah. Um, how, how, they, did, those, did those did those go was, differently? Was there more prep, or just you did it normal? It was it was fine. The other thing is that I'm very bad at telegraphing when anything's wrong with me. Just is why that nobody knew that I thought I was in a dream for three months. Mm. I'm very bad at talking about my feelings. I'm very bad at like physically telegraphing that anything's wrong. I'm really, really, really super guarded. Is um, playing with your hair part of you not being okay? Are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. You're going to be okay. Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> my scalp itches because it just got bleached a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, like, one thing with me that is just, like, I have a hard time telegraphing emotions is because I've been on psych meds since I was, like, a really little kid, mm-hmm. and I kind of, like, pathologized most of my feelings starting super young so it's like really hard for me to not like 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 be sad out loud because like i like in the like in the 90s there was that little brick like when that south park riddling episode came out and shit like there was that little brick of like kids being over medicated for adhd and shit like that and like i was presenting enough symptoms that could be interpreted as like psychiatric symptoms when i was a younger child like i was like not getting out of bed i was sleeping under my bed i was hitting my head on the wall i was like doing all this shit that was easy for uh, a 90s psychiatrist that is trying to take these drug company kickbacks and give everybody adderall and riddle and they're like look at this look at this fucking guinea pig way too early it was like are you sad for too many days then maybe we need to change your meds so like my relationship with my feelings is like very confusing and what i telegraph outward usually has like no match or not no match but like especially because i've been like working on myself so much like now it's getting better and better but like it's 
it is very difficult for people to tell when something's wrong with me. Mm. Um, so I can be completely checked out for a super long time and nobody will notice. And even including people that were like my sub at the time lived in New Brunswick and I was in Philadelphia. So we didn't see each other in person a whole lot. We were just like texting and talking. Um, so like when we did go up there, it was easy for me to kind of shelve that. I was still doing stand up when I mm. thought everything was fake. Two days before I went to the hospital, I did a stand up gig at a fucking bike shop in Delaware. Like... <laughs> <laughs> how how do you how does being bipolar affect your dating life now is that a is it an obstacle is it something that has to come up or does, yeah. is it just like anything else it's uh, if i get too excited about someone i can seem too intense but that's not really like a bipolar thing that just kind of happens sometimes you know I, I have, have to that. try to not pathologize every single thing i do especially now that i'm on like correct meds sure. well, what about how but, about just the disclosure part i mean that's yeah, a part that's definitely different for I in think dating that it, we especially here people are so like open about mental illness now like it, i mean it's just, maybe it's because i'm sitting in bushwick speaking to you <laughs> um but people tend to know what the word neurodivergent means and be aware of mental illness and have all these like listicles and everything shared but yeah it is gonna send up a red flag with some people if you especially if you say you're bipolar one and you talk about like because you know people are more familiar with bipolar too where they're like yeah you're hypersexual you're making risky financial decisions um your depressions are low and so i've always had more problems with mania than depression yeah. from 2012 to 2015 you did think you were god you know yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it was three months <laughs> three in months, uh, between no for 2014 to 2015 I, I remember this but yeah it was like that bleed over um i mean has that have, <laughs> have you had like negative inter like have you had people who weren't interested or everything I mean, if they weren't, they never said anything. I am, I think I am one of those people that has a nice face that people don't like to make upset. So, like, they, I think people at best are fucking passive aggressive with me. Okay. Like, the people can tell that I'm nice and I mean well pretty easily, even if I'm acting kind of unhinged. Yeah. Like, so I haven't had people be like mean to me about it, but I could also, I could also see some like gentle backing up. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. Um, if, um, what would you, what would you recommend to someone who maybe is newly diagnosed or with, with some serious mental illness and, is getting ready to go back on the dating scene, which is already going to be complicated enough. Mm -hmm. But um, or maybe someone who just has a history of like being nervous about disclosing their mental illness uh, on dates. Would you would you have any tips for that person? Um, man, I think it's just just be cognizant of what you want out of any date or interaction that you're having that day and not thinking too far ahead. Like, I think you just need to be pre like, cause the thing is be like, you sit down on a date. I'm like, all right, what do I do want to do with this person right now? Do I want to hang out and have a beer and possibly go back to their place later? Or do I want to talk about my trauma right now? What do I want to do? And like, are, do, do I really feel like I need to disclose that right now because i want to know if this is going to be a relationship in mm -hmm. five weeks i mean there's like some like i think that there's some people that bond over that kind of like i'm not saying you shouldn't talk about it on the first date but like if you want to develop a connection with somebody else who is neurodivergent on the first date okay cool that's for you but like if you don't want to go into this first date and immediately drop this baggage on someone or you feel like that's not something you want to do or mm -hmm. make shit weird 
I don't think you should have to do that because it's just a first date. Like you're not trying to yeah. marry the motherfucker yet. Like, you know, it's at that point, if you do get to the point where you're like, I would like to possibly pursue something more serious. And at this, and until then I, until that point you hadn't been comfortable talking about your mental illness, then maybe then that's like, might want to talk about it, but it's just like, I don't know. It's it's very case by case. Um, I think that it's really managing expectations. If you're dealing with mania, managing, managing expectations is really important. And also just writing shit down and just trying to stand outside yourself. Like, does this look bad? Like, if I, like, write down, I'm meeting up with a man whose name I do not know on FetLife at his house. Nobody else will be there. No one knows where I am. Like, if you, like, write that shit to, like, look at it, I'm like, does this look bad? Would I tell like, my friend, girl, don't do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what I, you know, you just kind of said, because it's so easy when you're in mania fog, everything, it's the rose-colored glasses from hell. Sure. Like, everything seems fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and it's very hard to step outside yourself with that. And then that's what makes bipolar one so scary is then there's usually uh some like i'm very fortunate that i don't end up in the depression side of it uh, that is is as extreme like i'm not uh ever super well i i also believe in reincarnation which is why i'm not suicidal it's like a weird line i, uh, I would just end up back exactly. here anyway yeah no here's I'd probably be a fucking snail here's the, no here's the fucking this is the, this is the thing is that i used to i was already on that team and then at one point i listened to something duncan trussell was saying and he's like there's no he's like there's no guarantee that death is the end and i'm like he's right there is no I have no way of knowing uh, that and I I'm, why I'm would I kill myself if I have no fucking way of discerning that because it might be but what if it isn't I mean we <laughs> I guess you know let's all make major life philo philosophical decisions based off what Duncan yeah I mean honestly well it's just that and it's also like I mean I already believed in reincarnation but here's the deal if 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 it takes a reason that loopy for me to not kill myself then fine like what it's not like I'm making a decision of like what the fuck like doctor to pick over this logic it's whether or not I live or die and I'm like I think my family would like me to believe this yeah uh, I won't kill myself, but I don't get as anywhere near as depressed as I get manic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm fortunate that I've never had to deal with that side of it. But mania is also that there are people who would say mania is scarier because that when you snap out of it, suddenly you realize everything that you did and how insane it was. And that is what makes you this the shame that spirals you into a depression because suddenly you have to be like, I'm sorry. I told you I was going to start a company with you and we fucking drew up all the incorporation paperwork and now I've snapped out of it. I can't get out of bed. And I realized that was completely fucking crazy. I can't do this. Like, <laughs> like I said, you don't have to like, it, there are some people that just make impulsive decisions that do not have bipolar disorder yeah. and there's some people that are bad like the reason i am like willing to be like no i have bipolar disorder is because bipolar medication works well for me i feel like if you don't have bipolar disorder lamictal's not gonna do shit for you mm -hmm. like that's the reason that that in drugs like lithium are meant for people with the specific neurological function that i have now the other fucking 
oddball factors. I also have Tourette syndrome, which makes everything even more complicated because it's just like a fucking. That's the bonus episode. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, exactly. The fucking Tourette syndrome, where I like that. That's basically just like if you get too stressed out, there's like a fucking shot collar going off in your brain. That's what the vocal tics are. It's just like it's it's like it it sucks. Um, but that makes shit even more difficult if you're dealing with stuff like hearing voices because then you're also like you've got like all that weird tick noise in your head too um do you have a little time do a little bonus episode yeah absolutely uh i was thinking we could talk you it'll be mostly you talking which is what this has been which is fine (laughs) but like you could uh tell me you could answer us the question why is wrestling sexy Mm -hmm. because we didn't get to talk about wrestling and i know you think wrestling's hot it is so i could you can try to convince me um Mm -hmm. but for now uh, Hannah, I know you have a couple projects out, uh, or mm-hmm. I, I think you're crowdfunding for one of your projects. And uh, yeah, where can tell us a little bit about that, and then you can tell us where people can find you. Sure thing. Okay, so uh, first project that I have uh, coming up that we're currently funding the post production costs for is a uh, mockumentary uh, called Brooklyn Battle Comedy. We make movies. Uh, it's a mockumentary about us. Uh, making the greatest cinematic wrestling match of all time Uh, cinematic wrestling matches are things that started picking up in COVID-19 era because there could not be any audience basically in like they're just basically very long filmed fight scenes but done with pro wrestling moves um so we because these all just like picked up when the pandemic happened because they couldn't have shows anymore so we just just, my group decided to write a comedy about it um and it managed to get like picked up by iwtv it's an independent wrestling streaming service so Mm -hmm. we're crowdfunding the post-production and i'll have a link for that in the show notes yep should be yep we'll have that up and uh then that should be dropping on iwtv in june uh, and then upcoming, uh, probably not until like end of May. I think both of these projects are probably going to drop around mm-hmm. June. Um, I have a podcast coming out with new queer order podcast network, uh, called Kate's bunker. This is a fictional podcast akin to welcome to night Vale, If anybody knows that. This entire thing is basically a radio play. It's uh, done in the form of a podcast. It's about a conspiracy theorist, Kate, who is podcasting out of an underground bunker after a messy divorce when she got radicalized by, like anonymous sources like and just like a bunch of conspiracy theories and shit so she's trying she's just doing this conspiracy theory podcast but like the way that podcasters have beefs with other podcasts and they bring guests on and shit like that i basically just writing a play where all of this shit is completely fake like we have a fake beef with a baseball podcaster in there for no reason like i make yeah. i'm making up bullshit conspiracy theories that she talks about the guests are fake like she's like in her um there's like a there's a fucking fake joe rogan character um and then there's like constant i'm like having phone fights with my ex-wife on there and shit and it's just like this podcast network like i'd already been thinking about doing something like welcome to night Vale before Mm. and this podcast network asked me if i was interested in having a show because they were expanding programming and knew me and i was like are you willing to edit something that's like basically tv for radio that's unnecessarily complicated and uh god bless them they said yes so 
Kate's Bunker should probably be dropping sometime around June as well. All right. All right. And I'll have a link to that or at mm-hmm. least the network in the show notes. Yeah, depending the Nuclear when this Order comes out. Podcast Network has their Patreon up and they have all their social up and everything. Okay. So if you follow them, eventually we will be uh, posting this goddamn show. And where can show. people follow you? I am at Hark underscore It's Hannah on both Twitter and Instagram. I do have a Facebook page that I don't update frequently, uh, but Facebook fan page would be just Hannah Harkness. Fantastic. And, mm-hmm. uh, $5 a Patreon people. You'll hear the bonus episode tomorrow and we will see if she convinced me that wrestling is sexy. But for now, Hannah, why don't you go ahead and uh, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to my bullshit. <laughs> Sadly, we did not have enough time to really get into the weeds of the sexiness of wrestling on the main show. So we did do a bonus episode. We did like a nice 20, 21 minutes extra talking about what is so sexy about people grappling each other in spandex, in latex, with various masks and role-playing characters. Who on earth could possibly find that erotic? I have couldn't be me, right? But you can hear that bonus episode as well as over 200 bonus. I think we might be getting close to 300 bonus episodes, to be honest with you. Uh, you can get access to all of those and more at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Mm. After I'm done uh, editing and uploading this, I, I got I to gotta pack a bag for the nude beach. We got to get some fan whore meetups down at Gunnison. Folks, if you are like able to get to Gunnison and you want to join, I would love to put, shoot me an email. You know how to reach me. But yeah, you know, Nude Beach just got invited to a birthday orgy. I got a threesome next weekend that I'm excited about. Friends, hugs. Yo, we back. We back, baby. Uh, please share the Man Whore podcast on your social medias publicly, preferably on your real names account. One of the best gifts you can give me, even if you can't throw me a buck, is sharing this on social media. So so do a horror favor. Hit that share button on a few places for me, would you? And, and make sure you tag me at the Billy Presida in the process. Get that sunscreen going, baby, and don't forget to get in the crack, because otherwise you're gonna your butt will be fine if you just do the cheeks, but you're gonna burn your crack if you don't really slather it up. Trust me. Stay slutty. HotMovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with HotMovies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHOR at checkout so they know who sent you.